This week on Melanated Conversations, we are taking you to Berlin, Germany, as we chat with the self-made Cinderella, Sidani Smith. Sidani is a classically trained violinist, powerhouse vocalist, and multilingual musical theater artist, gracing the stages all around Europe. In our chat, Sidani sets the stage into her journey into theater and how boldly taking advantage of open doors placed her center stage in some of the biggest roles in her career. We unpack what it's like being a multi-talented Black creative artist in this arena and how she is holding space for fellow artists to bravely move into their creative passions. So listen in as we chat with our special guest, Sadani Smith. Welcome to Melanated Conversations, our narrative and our perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tyrion. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I am your co-host, Yana. Yes, and I am your co-host, Tarian. I'm so excited about today. Yes! Y'all, we're so excited to come back to you in such a lighthearted way and, you know, get back to sharing um, these powerful stories of Black women that come on our show and share with us. And, you know, today is no dear friend. We have an amazing guest today that is going to share with us. And we want to welcome you guys to her today. Uh, We have Miss Sidani Smith chatting with us. So welcome. Hey. hey. (laughs) Yes. I love the energy she's bringing already, Yana. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) I need this right now. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you you for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) <laughs> yes, thank you so much for joining us today, Sadani. We are so excited, but we're not going to keep rambling. Well, we might ramble here for a minute because we're about to go into our rapid fire, aka rambling fire round, really quick. So, if you don't mind, would you will you play with us, Sadani? Let's do it. All right, let's go. So, my first question for you is: What is your favorite acting memory? Ooh, I have to tell you, some of my favorite acting memories are from the moments where I got the gift of playing a role that is not traditionally cast Black, Um, because I have always wanted to be seen as an artist, period. I know that my Blackness is something that I carry with pride, and it's part of me, and it's important. But when I tell story, I just want to tell story. You know, I come from an orchestral background. And back when I was shooting to be in you know, a major symphony, you go into auditions behind a curtain. You know, you play your 24 bars, you play your etudes and your, your um, sonata or whatever you brought. No one sees you. And so you know that you are being brought in on account of your merit, you know, the content of <laughs> your artistic talent and skill. And those moments in acting where people say, you know what? This role is actually for a 16-year-old blonde girl. It is written blonde, but we're going to write the composer and see if we can say raven hair instead of golden hair. Those are the moments that just make my heart open. That happened to me in um, a production of Sweeney Todd by Stephen Sondheim, and um, I was able to play that three times. 
it's a classical soprano role. And I was even able to play the violin and the viola in that production. And that just, um, those are the moments, those are the moments that um, just make my heart sing. Wow. Yeah, that's I just I'm just out the vicariously uh, through you. My acting memory is nowhere holds nowhere near candle to that. Um, I'm going back to high school, my senior production play. <laughs> take us back. Take us back. Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> so I actually forgot what the name of the play was, which is it was it was a Christmas production, and it was more of like a comedy. Um, there were different scenes, and we kind of. Um, um, reenacted, but I cast as a leading lady. Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I had, girl, they didn't know that I had the acting chops, but I was up. Oh, tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, our scene, so it was set into like, it was um, like this little Christmas town and there was a mystery. I can't remember the exact plot, but there was a mystery going on. And I was part of a news team that was reporting live on the scene. And I was I was um, interviewing all the residents of the town. And it was basically set in like in a newsroom kind of format type thing. Mm-hmm. So um, just all the different personalities. You know how when you, it's like real life when you talk, when you see people on the news and you talk to random people and you get those different yeah. interactions. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Actually, it was just a play. It actually was just a play for us, um, for our acting class. Like we all as seniors have to take this class as part of our credits. And Mm -hmm. we put it on just for us and then just for the school. And it became so popular that we ended up having to do like four or five shows for the community. So we ended up raising money for our class. So yeah, that was um, that was actually really fun, and it was it was so great because everyone. When I say our entire senior class participated, there was everyone was a part of it in some way. So it was really a a whole production, and no other class. I think our class was first class that did something like that. That's and yeah, then I'll really throw in I'll throw in a bonus. I was a lead in a Horton Hears a Who. Okay. Wait, in a summer production. <laughs> She said, who did you play? Who did you play, Yana? Oh, what was the, um, the was little the sour kangaroo? Or yeah, was yes, it? yes, 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 yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that show. So, um, I didn't go on Broadway or anything with him, but you know, I was on Brinkley. Which okay. Okay. <laughs> Bucktown. Bucktown. No, but yeah. What about you, Tyrion? Um, yeah. So, you know, I, uh, you know, y'all, well, you know, y'all, I grew up dancing my whole life. So um, when I finally transitioned to public school, my the school I went to my junior year had a huge theater arts program. And I was like, all right, you know, I like to dance, uh, whatever. I like the stage. I love being on the stage. So let me try out for, let me audition for, they were doing the school's produ- uh, doing a production of 42nd Street. And oh. And so, you know, auditioned for that and was able to get like a, not a, it wasn't a speaking role, was but was in like the small ensemble part where we had a lot of dance numbers. Mm-hmm. So I was able to like get in there and, and do that. That was really cool. And then my senior year, I tried out, we did the production of Oliver and I was, I was part of the, um, gosh, are the, 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 the small group of kids that are the boys that were, mm-hmm. that were the little, the vagabond kids. Yeah. Um, and I had a small speaking role in that. And actually that was the, the understudy. Yes. The understudy Girl. for 
for Oliver. So it was oh. a white girl that got it, but I was, I was the understudy for Oliver. So that's amazing. Um, that was kind of huge too. It was like, they were like, we really believe in you. And so mm. um, we, you know, we're, we're going to offer you, we, we want to put you in this role as understudy just in case something happens. So, just now finding out. Yes. No, yeah. So did, you know, a whole week's worth. It was fun because, you know, whenever we had product, whenever it was showtime that week, like we got pretty much the week off from school where everybody else still had to go to school. We were practicing and prepping for a show and then matinee on that Sunday. And it was just super cool. And I loved, I thoroughly enjoyed um, just even the practices because you're bonding with your castmates and, mm-hmm. and all the behind the scenes. And you really just, you know, you get to know each other on a different level and really get to, to stretch yourself too. And like, man, I didn't even think I could do this. So, and yeah. so yeah, those are some of my favorite acting memories I, I carry with me. So yeah, I didn't go to Broadway either, but um, you know, I, I did a couple of Broadway shows if that counts. Hey. I don't know. Let me ask you, <laughs> Terry, are you a tap dancer too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I got excited. I was like, please tell me she tapped in 40 seconds. Oh, yeah. is- Absolutely. Oh. Yes, oh, you better amazing. come here. Those dancing feet, those tapping yeah. feet on Forty Second Street, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, Yana. You, we, we got one more. We got one more question. Yeah, I'm over here. I'm. I didn't know this about you, Tyrion. I don't know if you know, Sid, <laughs> but Terry and I are our first cousins. So oh, okay. So yeah. So I'm learn. I've learned something new today. <laughs> well, look at that. okay so second question that I have and then we'll go into hearing more about you so I know that you know you basically live on Broadway you 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 have starred in a lot of shows but what actual show what shows can you say Broadway shows have you watched I know there's probably a list (laughs) okay I'm gonna start with the one that changed my world when I was uh, when I was a senior in high school, my mom took me to New York, and that was my my trip, like my senior present. And the two of us were walking down the street, walking down Broadway. And my mom, she's one of those moms that if she sees a black person on the poster, she's buying a ticket. She really doesn't care. Like she really, doesn't. she's like, okay. So she saw this poster. She said, "What's Ada?" The show show is called Aida, um, but she's like, "What's Ada?" There are some twenty dollar tickets. This girl, you know, this girl is is um, is Caribbean. Let's check this thing out. And I tell you, that show blew my mind. It was the first show I ever saw on Broadway. And even then, I had no intentions of moving toward Broadway. Like I said, I was, um, you know, I grew up playing in orchestras. And, you know, I was getting ready to go to college on a, a viola scholarship. That's what I was doing. But I beat that CD I'm surprised that it still played for me. I beat that CD to death. Um, I still can remember like really tiny details, like how the scene changes work because it has such a profound effect on me. Um, that was 2001 and the show Aida, Disney's Aida. So dope. That's super yeah. cool. That's super oh. duper cool. Oh, um, favorite Broadway shows. You know, I I will say this and I'm probably... This is I'm not proud of myself for this, okay? But I I deeply, 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 deeply regret a few years back I went to New York City for the first time and did not go see a Broadway show of all things. So I am like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, 
but you know what? It's not over. My hopes are high. I know it doesn't look so great right now. They're um, closed out until at least September. Yeah. But it'll be back. It'll be back. The chance will come again. Well, no, I don't doubt it. I have seen some some Broadway shows, just not on Broadway. On in New York. Yeah, yeah in New York. Um, thank God, you know, we've got Dallas Summer Musicals around here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Lion King, amazing, amazing, mm. amazing show. And of course, Hamilton it, mm-hmm. it does something mm-hmm. to me. It's just the song. Oh, we me. saw that one together, and we yes, were we like, did. Oh, had amazing God. seats, everything. Like, yes, it was. Oh, yes. oh my goodness! And I am looking well, forward I'm to jealous. July third. Yes, me too. <laughs> you, better you better believe it's in my calendar. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so those those are my some of those are my faves. I would have to say. Oh yeah. Um. Those, I would say, uh, with the exception of Lion King, I actually haven't seen Lion King. Every time it comes, I miss it. There's always something that comes up and I can't catch it. So I would love to see that one. I actually want to see that one on Broadway. Though. I would love to see as many shows as I can actually on Broadway. But um, like you mentioned, we we saw Hamilton together. Man, that was uh, out of this world experience. Like that show was amazing. And of course, I've seen Color Purple, I think twice, and um, A Raisin in the Sun. I like that mm. one. Yeah. So, but yeah, those are the ones that I can, can like recall, like my, like my favorites. Um, yes. like I would love, we have to get a list from you, um, Sid, just like, so we can know, like, as they come, like, okay, which ones we should go to? Like, we, yeah. like, we need to have us a Broadway tour. Right. Uh, we also, we want to go. We, we need to see Sid. Yeah. We <laughs> to Europe and see you. Hey, yeah. You know, as soon as these borders open back up, there is some great, great theater. The Caliber Theater is extremely high here. Um, and a lot of the Broadway shows um, that I got to see in New York have been translated um, over to Europe and they've been translated um, with the original set design, the original, you know, costume design and the original directors. And so they'll come over here. They don't even need a translator because just about everyone they work with will be bilingual and they put the show up here. And for example, if you watch Lion King in Hamburg, if you close your ears, it looks just like the Broadway show. And if you unplug your ears, you'll hear that we're singing in German. <laughs> so, wow. um, yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty wild and a really, really cool. It's a really cool part of the business to be in over here in Europe. Yes. That's really cool. Well, let's get into it because um, I am so ready to hear more about you and, you know, your journey. And um, yeah. Absolutely. We turn in, we turn in the show over to you. So yes, it's all about Sid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Sidani, my first question to you is: Can you tell us um, a little bit about your origin story? What What are your roots, and who is Sidani Smith? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I'm going to have to throw it way back. Um, I am born in Miami. My mommy is Jamaican and my dad is American, African American. And so I grew up feeling a little bit like an immigrant and a little bit like a native. And so that has really kind of spoken into my life in, in lots of different ways because I find myself really comfortable feeling at home wherever I am. Um, I have lived now in Europe for 11 years. 
And when you're doing the musical theater life, it's not, it's not the same as Broadway in that there's one street, there's one major you know, avenue. The huge houses in Europe are all over. So if you're auditioning or playing, you're moving from Munich to Zurich to Bern to Hamburg to Berlin. I live in Berlin now. And so I would get up and move every 13 months. But there's something about being the kid of an immigrant. You just know that you belong anywhere you are. Any place I hang my hat is home. So I grew up in Miami and my mom put me in the music lessons and I had the great good fortune of being in some amazing magnet schools where I could spread my wings and just be exposed to a lot of excellence, a lot of diversity and a lot of excellence. The story goes that, you know, from first through third grade, you get to do all four of the, the four, four of the arts. Um, so we had dance drama, visual art, and music. And then in fourth grade, we needed to pick a lane, basically. Um, and I picked drama. And I remember that little list. I could see it in front of me right now. I remember putting my preference order and I brought it home. I was so excited. I was going to do drama. I needed my mom to sign it. And she was like, no. <laughs> she was like, you're way too shy. You are going to fall apart if you don't get a part. In music, everybody gets a part. And um, I ha have to be honest, I did struggle with that because as desperately as I wanted to dance and, and be part of theater, my, my mom said no. And I was like, I remember as shy as I was, I used to get out the yellow pages and call the dance studios and try to get the schedules and the prices mm -hmm. and try to see if I could work it out myself. And it just was not in the cards. It was not something that uh, my parents were able to do. But I was majorly blessed in that um, I changed that little paper around. I picked music, like my mama said, and I learned to play the violin. So starting when I was 10 up through, you know, I, I studied it at the university level. I, I was playing violin and viola and I, I became a composer in middle school. I kind of got the composing bug and started to write a lot of string quartets, which led to me writing symphonies and writing full orchestra pieces with the choir and stuff. And wow. um, that that's the the track I was on even at my, my when I was a senior in high school for my graduation, I wrote the I wrote an orchestral theme with choir to be and I conducted it at my at my graduation. And that's that was where I thought I was headed. Um, you know, in that classical route. Um, I was very happy in it, fulfilled and I I was succeeding at it. I headed off to college. And once again, uh, a great blessing is I was on a scholarship for playing the viola. And um, listeners, if you uh, aren't familiar with a viola, it's very similar to a violin, mm -hmm. slightly bigger, and it's the alto voice. And so if the violin is a soprano, viola is alto, cello is tenor, and then upright bass will be your bass voice. So that's its part in the orchestra. And so I was studying that at the university level in a, a really well-respected school, and I don't know how other to explain it, but it was like a light went on. I just knew I needed to try theater. And it wasn't like God was saying inside of me, you know, you're going to move to Europe one day and do this professionally. And you're going to do, no, I just knew I had to try theater. I knew that I had a step to take. And I take these kind of, you know, lights turning on, I take them very seriously. And I prayed about it and thought about it. And I took a bold move. And I relinquished my scholarship for, for viola and mm. started to take every 
theater class I could possibly audit. I was asking where I could sweep the stage. I, I remember seeing a show that the School of Theater was doing at my university and I knew they threw confetti at the end. I was like, oh, they need help. I can get in the room. You know, I want to be in the room where it happens. I just want to, I just want to soak it up. I just want to learn from these people. Cause you know, there, there were so many brilliantly talented people at that school and I just wanted to be nearby and, and, and learn too. Um, and I'll never forget. I went to my guidance counselor when I gave up my scholarship and he told me point blank in my face, you will never be cast. This is extremely foolish. You will never be cast. And, um, I thank God that I did not, uh, let that sway me. I think that I've been gifted in a lot of important things, but I think that in that moment, my strongest gift was being able to ignore foolishness. Like it just wasn't, it just wasn't what wasn't the next step. I knew I was doing the right thing. And there are some times when it doesn't make any logical sense. It might not make any financial sense, but I knew that I had to try theater. Almost was like it didn't come out from me. You know, it felt random. Like it was kind of dropped into my spirit. And I was like, you know, I, I thank you very much. I know you're doing your job, but I am, I am going to do this. And um, I knew people were talking about me, but I, it, it doesn't matter because when you have a vision, you yeah. can't expect everybody to have it because they can't see through your eyes. It's your vision. Yeah. And so rather than, you know, getting caught up in what my colleagues were saying or what my professors were saying, they were pretty disappointed because like I said, it was going well for me and I was a senior and everything. I just focused and I got in the library. I learned every musical I could think of, anything where it looked like I could possibly fit in there. I learned it. If it didn't look like there was a role for me, I learned about it too. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got out there like this really introverted, shy girl got in these acting classes and, you know, did, did the thing, rolled on the floor and screamed and, you know, did all the things that I used to be terrified of. Yeah, I, st I still don't know what that would mean for me, but I knew that I was doing the right thing and I felt very encouraged in that. And as I graduated, I did go off to work for a university. I did a little like stint as a career counselor in a university. And then I knew it was time. I wanted to study this properly. I wanted to not just be peeping in and, and auditing classes. I wanted to, to get a degree, you know, because mm -hmm. to me, that was how you, that's how you become proficient in something. That's how you become an expert. You have to go to school. Um, my views have changed on that. But that's where I was at the time. And I got into a school in Florida and moved back down to, to my home state. And um, I was there for two semesters when the opportunity of a lifetime walked, yeah, knocked on my door. And I think besides ignoring naysayers, my next greatest gift is that I know how to take risk. When there is an open door, I know when to move. Um, a lady came to my acting class and she said she was um, recruiting for a three-week singing workshop in the Alps. And I thought it was interesting. It didn't sound like something I could afford. And I, you know, it, she offered me a spot for the summer. I turned it down a couple of times and then I prayed about it. And I was like, wait a minute. Now, if I, you know, if I had the money, would I go? Yes. If I had the time, would I go? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. um, and I decided to take the leap. And I promise you that money came. It was insane. 
the money came. I got in a plane. I went to um, the south of Germany, like right on the border of Austria, and learned from these these teachers for three weeks. But part of that three week workshop was a mock audition up in Hamburg for stage entertainment and stage entertainment is the bigger biggest producer of musical theater in Europe. Um, they, I mean, a lot of the shows that you see on Broadway will start here and move to Broadway or vice versa. And they are the producer. They, and I went up there to audition for them, you know, hoping maybe I would get discovered, but what they offered me was something even better. And that was a spot in their conservatory. And once again, open door. I was in grad school and I was like, okay, I'm trying to get this paper, but it's now my dream. I really want mm. to, I really want to perform in these shows that I feel like I have stories to tell. And I feel like, I feel like I speak to people. I feel like there's healing, you know, when, mm. when I, I do the thing that um, God has put in me to do. Mm. And so I'm going to walk through this door. They had one spot left. It was for a woman and she couldn't be older than 25. And I had just turned 25 the week before. <laughs> and so what I did, I finished that little three-week workshop in the Alps, uh, went home, sold all my earthly goods. And two weeks later, I started school in German in Germany in Hamburg. Wow. So I, you know, I feel like, there is a lot of, <laughs> I just want to reach out to anybody who uh, grew up very shy or is very introverted. Uh, introversion is your superpower. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do what you're called to do because you're introverted. God made you that way. And yeah. it, is a, it is a blessing. It is a really big gift. Um, and you are brave. That has nothing to do with your bravery. You know, you being an introvert means that you need to recharge by yourself. And that that is great. It's <laughs> great yeah. because when you're charged up, you're out there doing, doing kingdom work, you know? So I took that brave leap. I, I got over to Hamburg, took school in German. You know, it was humbling because the classes that I used to teach, I was now taking because I didn't understand the language. You know, I was in music theory one. I was yeah. taking jazz one, you know, I couldn't read. Like I literally, I landed in a place where I was like, I literally cannot tell you how much these apples are right now at this grocery store because I cannot read yet. And I made it my business to master the language. I made it my business to respect the country that I was going to, you know, make my living in and, you know, work and pay taxes and stuff. I was like, I'm going to learn this language fluently and without an accent. And when I, when I tell these people's story, they're just going to be able to sink into it. Um, And after two semesters at that conservatory, I got my first, got my first contract and I have not stopped working in Europe since. Wow. wow. <laughs> there are so I, many things that are like running through my mind right now. Right. I was over here taking notes like, oh, let me touch on this. Oh, wait, wait. She <laughs> okay. Well, no, Sadani. Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to begin. First of all, <laughs> I just want to say I applaud you and your, your bravery. I mean, the, the way, like even how you mentioned, you know, just bravely moving into your calling, boldly moving into the thing that excites you, that is mm-hmm. you, know, you through and through. And you didn't l- allow those that, you know, may have those like naysayers. Yeah, to mm-hmm. deter your path. And even, I love the fact too that you were like, I'm just charting my own thing, you know, but right. that it doesn't have to look like 
how everyone else is doing. It doesn't have to, I don't need to have this piece of paper. Not saying that we don't, you know, if you need your education, you guys go get it. But right. we don't want people to feel like there is only one way, one road that leads to this, you know, success. to that destination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love how it played out for you. And the biggest thing from that was that you, you took advantage of open doors. You walked yes. through them boldly. What I got from that is do it scared. The, the greatest fear is just actually doing it. Because once you're in it, yeah. you're in it. There's nothing yeah. to be fearful of once you're in it. Um, so thank you for sharing it with us. I, yeah. I have so many words. It was like, okay, she 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 preached ministry today. Like something I'd never really even thought about. And there are so many other things that you said. But one thing that, that just kind of like popped up in my head, especially when people talk about themselves being introverted or extroverted, and you were just saying how, like, telling those individuals who are introverted, like, to to really tap into that and, like, don't, because people try to make it seem like when somebody's, quote, unquote, labeled an, an introvert, like, that's a negative thing. And that's, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, yep. they're introverted. Something just kind of popped in my mind about the idea of being introverted and just the success that you've had from really sitting in that um, and welcoming that quote unquote label, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. something like about, I just kept seeing a lion, you know how lions are, can, when they're about to like attack their prey and they're just mm-hmm. kind of sitting in the cut, right? And they're, they're watching. Chilling. They're, yeah, they're chilling, they're scoping the scene out and then they go in and, and they attack. And I feel like for you, like you, you didn't let the, the idea of your passion, like go away, just, you know, blow off into the wind you were like no I'm gonna go for it and but I'm gonna also embrace that the idea that yes I may be quote-unquote introverted but I'm just gonna I'm gonna gonna sit and I'm gonna watch and I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna wait for that door to open and as soon as the opportunity comes I'm kicking that door wide open I'm running through and I'm attacking and I just think that is just super duper cool and so dope I was like she's like a lion like just waiting yeah you know that resonates with me so deeply. This morning I was listening to Hamilton. I was listening to the song Wait on a Repeat. And I think, oh goodness, every time I say this is my favorite line from Hamilton, I think, well, there's another 10 more that are so strong. <laughs> but today, the one that um, all keeps coming back to me is I am not standing still. I am lying in wait. Mm. And that is how I feel. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid, but I'm watching. I'm watching for the opportunities. I am. That, that's how I learned the language. You know, a lot of people ask me if I went to a German school. I didn't go to school for the language. I, I listened to everybody. If I was on the train, I was eavesdropping. If I was sitting at lunch, I wasn't saying things. I was listening to how people use the language in vernacular because, you know, you're going to get from a book something way different than you'll get from, you know, a bunch of 19-year-olds sitting around a table. Um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to talk like that. Of course, I wanted to speak very, um, correctly on stage and super clearly, you know, um, but I also wanted to, um, I, I want to say infiltrate the culture. I want to be here. Like I want to be present. I want to be able to, to, to get in the room and talk about art and politics and religion and, and, and war and things that are on my mind, uh, without, without translating at a level that kind of puts me outside. I want to be in. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Before I go into my next question for you. So how many, I know you've, you've traveled and lived in different, as you mentioned, mentioned in different um, countries, how many languages do you speak? 
My, my most fluent languages are definitely German and English, um, but I have been able to perform in Spanish as well. And I did some traveling in Africa and did a little bit, little bit in Swahili, but the, the languages that make me money are, are German and English. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what has your experience been like, as, particularly as a Black woman, um, breaking into the world of acting in theater, especially in the Broadway avenue? I'll tell you this. There is a lot of conversation right now amongst um, New York-based performers about racism on Broadway and their experiences there. And it's so fascinating. And I have been like partaking and sometimes stepping away because it's been heavy. It's been a heavy few weeks. And sometimes Mm -hmm. actually seeing your story, you know, reflected in the news can be both validating and, and devastating, you know, to think, wow, someone's taken it seriously now. But I have taken a moment to take stock on what my experience has been here. And when I was making the move, somebody who meant very, very well said, oh yeah, you've got to do this. They love Black people in Germany. And it didn't sit right with me. I was like, I don't know that you know what you're talking about. But (laughs) I got here and as thankful as I am for my career, as grateful as I am to have played some incredible roles. And I'll tell you about how good the country has been to me. It's just a different brand of racism. Mm -hmm. That was half the culture shock for me is that it just is a different, it's just a different brand. And I wasn't ready for it. You know, it wasn't so much the food or, or the language, you know, there's a learning curve there, but the, the exoticism and the otherism is really, really heightened here. And I have worked mostly in Germany and Austria and Switzerland because those are the the major countries that speak German and have a lot of huge musical theater happening. And um, because of their history with World War II, you'll find that Germany feels like racism is something completely in their past. And I've seen um, some really good posts going up about how racism is not necessarily, you know, intentioned hatred. It's, it's systems. Mm-hmm. It's, how, it's how the system works. And, you know, it's who benefits from it and who would take the time to really be honest and dismantle a system that benefits them and is a detriment to others. But because it's so important for Germany to shake off that really terrible racist past from World War II, I think it's hard for them to see the system, like to to see that there's still a ton of work to be done. Mm -hmm. I definitely, (laughs) I definitely have a, a beautiful network of people of color. They are of mostly Let's say there, there are Americans, there are African-Americans in the, in the industry here, for sure. I have some great friends that are, um, you know, from New York and from Oklahoma and from Texas and, you know, California and things like that. But it's been really fascinating to see the Afro-German experience because there's a lot of people born and bred right here mm-hmm. that are not necessarily always treated like they're at home, even though... You know, they're born right here, raised right here, educated right here. And that is, it's a really interesting dynamic to watch um, and to listen to their stories of people who are 
maybe first generation from Nigeria or um, more like me, there are a lot of colleagues of mine that are from, say, Holland, but they have um, heritage from the islands or from mm-hmm. Africa. And, you know, the way they, the way we experience the business as Black people is very, hmm, people can have the, this attitude as if, you know, we don't have to work for what we get. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is the most infuriating part. This idea that someone is like, well, you know, you probably been shaking the tambourine in church since you were three. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wow. Actually, I was playing classical hymns at my church and I wasn't allowed to listen to R&B or pop music. Mm-hmm. And I got my whole behind, I got a whole education in classical music. And then I learned to sing. That's my story. And even if I hadn't, even if I had been singing straight out of the womb, it's still a skill that I developed and it deserves respect. And uh, I think that's something that is kind of pervasive in the fields where people feel like it's quote unquote easy, but there is nothing easy about being an immigrant. There's nothing easy about navigating legalities and, um, immigration law in a foreign language and going to these offices. There's nothing easy about showing up, you know, to the foreigner's office and getting a complete attitude and then showing your passport and then realizing, oh, you're American. You're not as bad as some of the other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is clear as day. And so, you know, while they might think that is that that's great. You've seen favor there. I'm like, no, I I saw privilege there and it's racist. Yeah. Mm. Sidebar, and Yana, you, Yana, and I, we, our family, our families usually will take trips uh, internationally, and we went to South Africa a few years mm-hmm. back. And I remember, and I don't know if Yana, if you remember this, but I remember we would be walking around Cape Town. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know the history of Cape Town or mm-hmm. South Africa, I should say, but just kind of walking around and kind of getting like weird looks from people, like. Uh, and stairs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just a lot of stops and stairs. And then we would be taught, we'd start talking and then you'd hear people say, Oh, they're yeah, American. American. Like they're mm-hmm. waiting for us to talk. And they're like, Oh, oh. American. And, and so it just made me think of what you were just saying is like somebody, yeah. you would show your password and like, Oh, well, you're not like, you're, you're not, not like, badass. yeah. Yeah. And I just kind of remember being taken back. It's like, yo, that's yeah. wild that you just, you look at us and assume like we shouldn't be here or be in this part of town or you're staying where and are doing what. And then you hear, they hear mm-hmm. us speak and they're like, oh, they're American. That's, that's partly why, you know. And annoying I mean? our experience. We're like, um. <laughs> that's just wild. That's right. wild. I'm, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just didn't no, no. think of that. Of that. I am glad that it resonates with you because it is, like I said, it's a different brand of racism. It's real different. Like we don't, you know, that's not how I experienced, you know, life as a young black person in America. And it's different. I mean, we do, um, Sister Act is one of the shows that I did for for three years. I got got to do Sister Act in three different countries. And the first production of a that I did playing uh, the the Whoopi character, that, mm-hmm. you know the Dolores, character that, Dolores. yeah, Dolores Cartier. 
I remember <laughs> my my colleagues, of course, my colleagues of all different shades thinking that's so cool, you know, you're gonna you can be up for some of these really, really cool roles that I, you know, I can't be up for as, you know, like a native German that's white. But what they didn't experience is doing a three hour show, mm -hmm. having a standing ovation seeing the people who are standing and then seeing them again in the train and seeing them move and hold their purses. Mm. And I think just because I took off this habit and this makeup, I am now a threat to you. That's so crazy because 30 minutes ago you were on your feet applauding me. And it just is a, it's a super wake up call. And um, in that contract, which I tell you that that house is one of the, my favorite places to work. I love it. It was Indiana. I, um, I adored working there. I had some, I, just some of the best years of my career uh, so far were right there in that house and I'm so grateful for it. But I, I was at, I was on empty by the time I left. By the time I left Vienna, I was so exhausted of being othered and feeling unwelcome and people not understanding what racism is that I had to disappear. I got on a plane and I went to Southern California to just like, just be good to myself, to let off steam. Not because America is perfect. I'm not, I'm never saying, one of the things that I've, trying to, I've been trying to share with people is that you need to stop looking across the ocean. Because Germans want to be like, man, tsk, 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 America. And America is like, tsk, 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 Germ No, let's all look at ourselves. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I did have to take a time out and uh, learn how to take care of me. And that I'm so glad that happened to me. You know, in retrospect, it was definitely a burnout. But now in times when I see current events and the news and, and the arguments and the trolls and the, and the protests and the positivity and, and the people being heard for the first time, when it gets overwhelming, I know what I need. Mm. because you know, being part of the cause is important, but I also want to, you know, I also want to be, you know, I also want to exist. I want to destroy myself in the process of doing a good thing. And so in these last few weeks, I have definitely needed to withdraw. I have definitely needed to have real conversations with myself and give myself the space to process this and take this all in because it's just a lot of trauma involved you know, and, and, you know, kind of being pulled up by watching what's happening in the world, even, even the good parts, even the parts that are moving in the right direction. Um, I'm not quite sure how I got here, but wellness is really important to me. It's kind of, um, it's the other side of my career as a coach that I really am there for artists because we, so many of us have been either schooled by formal education, schooled by the business and we have learned how to create great art, but we have not learned how to protect our hearts. We have not learned how to survive and have something left of us after we left it all on the stage. So one of the things that I'm very vocal about is um, treating yourself well and just knowing, knowing how to choose you mm -hmm. in a business that says, leave it all on the floor, always say yes, that says that gratefulness means that you don't have any rights no way are you mm. kidding me the art benefits because i'm whole mm, yeah. i can tell honest authentic stories because i'm okay mm. my god yes mm. Mm, mm, mm. um pass the collection plate i guess <laughs> <laughs>
Go ahead, Yana. No, I was going to ask Sidani about what it's been like pursuing roles and fighting to be cast in roles that are not traditional to us. And some of the roles that you've um, been in that have allowed you to be a leading lady in that space that's not, that doesn't really showcase us in that way and that light too often. Well, one of my, <laughs> my platforms is that I'm normal. I, I realize that there is um, something special about being, you know, special and memorable about being the tallest, darkest person to have come into the audition room. You know, I know that they remember me, but this otherism, this like, you know, we've got to, you know, order your tights from somewhere special. We don't know if we can get your color. You know, how do we, how, what do we do with your hair? I'm normal. <laughs> and yes, so say that. I, I am normal. Like I'm, I'm not a special case. If, if it's normal to both have blonde hair and red hair, it's also normal to have straight hair and wavy kinky hair. Why not? Um, and so I just show up in the room like I'm normal. I'm not there to fight you. I'm not there to prove anything to you because I know what I can do. I'm just showing up there normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's come back to me in beautiful ways. Cause I, I, you know, I realized that I, I talked a big talk, but there were some roles out there that I didn't think anybody would consider me for. And they called me and I was like, well, Jesus, okay. You know, I need to, I need to expand my box, you know, expand my normal. Um, and I, I see my colleagues across the sea. I just, I've been following Aisha Jackson, who was the standby for Princess Anna in Frozen in in New York. And she is beautiful and talented and doesn't look like the Anna in the movie. Mm -hmm. And when she went on, she was, you know, as far as I knew, celebrated because I was screaming. I was crying. I was so happy to see a Disney princess, you know, where it was just about what she brought to the table, not, you know, about yeah. whether she had red hair on her head. Right. Um, but she has shared from her heart on the backlash she experienced and the support she was looking for that she didn't get, you know. And I have to say that I have been very blessed in that when I have played these roles, like, for example, in Cabaret, I um, was blessed to play Sally Bowles. And also I've, I've played Jekyll and Hyde a few times in the role of Lucy. And, um, you know, there are side comments here or there. People will tell me, for example, in West Side Story, I played Anita in West Side Story. And I have, even though I wasn't close to my grandparents, my grandfather's from Cuba. And even if he wasn't, there are people who look like me in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There there are people with, you know, translucent blue eyes and and blonde hair and they're people who look just like me and are darker than me you know it's it's kind of like walking through Miami everybody looks like everything but there were certainly people who made comments about how can Anita be black mm-hmm. why not right. you know I, you know or for right. example in Jesus Christ Superstar that's a, a show that I love and I've played it so many times and um um, the last two productions I got to play Mary Magdalene and my friend said from the audience um, <laughs> that, you know, I came out on stage and he heard over his shoulder, since when is Maria black? And I was like, wow. since Jesus screams rock ballads from the cross, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, right. 
He's telling right. me to look at this this blonde angel cherub Jesus and have a problem with, you know, someone in Jerusalem with dark skin. Let, it, let, let exactly. us please take a moment of silence oh my goodness, here. Please. <laughs> you are absolutely right. Oh, my goodness. That is... So, I have I have been very supported by my theaters and I do appreciate that. You know, they will get on the internet and and um tell people to have several seats because I don't have I guess I'm not that kind of fighter. You know, I don't I don't argue with people that much. Um yeah. I'll say my piece and leave in peace um because I know that so much of my protest is just existing. Like my uh, audacity to have joy in a season like this and thrive and like myself and find myself beautiful. And, you know, that is a protest just being there, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a little girl who grew up playing the violin in orchestras where nobody looked like me. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was, I, I grew up in rooms by myself, even though Miami was so diverse, as soon as I moved up, you know, out of, you know, the security of my school and was, you know, in some of these all county, all state orchestras, I was looking around, it, it was me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and people were surprised that I quote spoke so well, or I could play so mm-hmm. well, or that, that kind of thing. And so I know that I don't even need a sign. My being here is a protest. My being here says that I matter and that I exist and that I'm normal and that I belong here. And so does anybody else who wants to be here. <sighs> my goodness i love that my being here is a it's, protest it's a protest all by itself i love that i feel like there are so many things um either we were going to ask and i think you you've already like answered yeah, within, within <laughs> itself um i i am curious it kind of two parts I know you, like you said, everybody's kind of, the world is kind of all watching this, this, everything unfold um, Mm -hmm. together. And we've seen different corporations and and companies and all these different things come out with statements now stating that they are in solidarity. um, Right. And Mm -hmm. I, I am just curious to know, do you, do you think now with um, everyone kind of jumping on the bandwagon, so to speak, um, I don't want to talk about whether or not people are being authentic or not, but just the idea of everyone kind of now jumping on the bandwagon and wanting to be in solidarity when it comes to Broadway here in the States and abroad. Do you think that that there will be doors that will be open suddenly now that maybe were not even considered before for black artists? I'll tell you what I know for sure. There are going to be ears open that weren't before. Mm. Um and that, that is a step, that is a step in the right direction because I know that um, I have felt chronically unheard when it comes to um, racial injustice. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't protest very often, but the times that I've had, that I have, you know, people came out of the woodworks to tell me that I must have misunderstood. You know, I remember one time posting on Facebook that I um, had gotten a racist piece of fan mail and I was like, I can't believe that's a thing. That is the newest oxymoron of my life, you know, getting racist fan mail. And uh, the amount of people who told me that I clearly misunderstood it was astounding, especially considering the fact that I didn't post the letter and that it was in German. So had I posted the letter, they wouldn't have been able to read it. And had they translated it, they would have missed all of the connotation that I understood from having lived here 
for maybe eight years at the time. And I thought, you know, people are so desperate not to hear. And I feel like now folks are shaken and they are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels like I can say when I'm in hair and makeup what I really think, you know, without feeling like I'm being quote unquote difficult, you know, me and my difficult hair and my, you know, difficult wanting the, the nude undergarments to look like, <laughs> look like they could possibly be somewhere near my skin tone. I am excited about the people who are listening. And like you said, I, I'm not overly concerned with who's authentic and who's not. I think that they're on their own separate journeys. I, uh, time will tell. I love to see what people do and not what they say because I really yeah. am not about changing semantics, your vernacular. I really don't care how you behave. You know, if you, if you have a dislike for people of color and you need to say that, get it off your chest because I'd rather know you. I'd rather know where you stand than you say all the right things. Yes. And, you know, me be hanging out with a snake. I'm really not, I'm not really into that. So um, I never, I don't care what you say. I care who you are. So we'll see with, with these companies. I really am not giving them the side eye. I'm not looking to the side anyway, do what you're going to do. <laughs> and um, I'm super grateful for those who are, are going to support. And I'm super grateful for those who listen because I know there are more of them now. There are more of them now who are listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said something profound too, that I, I'm, I agree with everything you've said. I agree with, um, but just the idea now that, because there are more ears that are open and people are listening and we, you know, we do, we, for years, we've, we've always felt like we have these feelings and these thoughts about the things that are going on or the things that we experience as black women. And sometimes we know we're going to get a door slammed in our face or somebody we're going to get easily dismissed. And so now, you know, there's just even more of a, a boldness that's coming about, I think for myself, and I'm sure Yannick feels the same way to be like, I'm not going to, hold my tongue and not to, to give you a a lashing, um, but I'm also not going to suppress my experience to make you feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the end of the day, it's about being honest and being truthful. Um, And, and the truth sets us free. It sets everybody free. And so why should I be quiet about my experience when it's harming me? And ultimately it's not making things better if, if you're not aware of what's going on. So I, I love, I, I agree, you know, just for, for you to even be sitting at in your chair backstage and being like, you know, you can speak freely on, on, on certain things, um, mm-hmm. big or small. It's, um, <clears throat> it's not malicious or anything. You know, I'm not trying to cancel people. I'm not trying to, cause I, I know there are things that I'm learning every day. You know, I'm paying attention to my prejudices. I'm paying attention to, um, how I see the world and how I really want to see the world. Um, and so I've done, I've done my calling out in, in, in private, you know, not to say that you have to do it the way that it's on your heart to, to speak out, you know, cause some things need to need to come to public light. Um, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought there. Oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay. I know what I kind of pull from that too, from what you both collectively said is just for me, what I just, I just like I'm done masking my identity so that you can live comfortably in yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. It shouldn't be hard to live freely and exist and be truthful in who you are. And I think a lot of us are now kind of th- this time is kind of heightened it even more. It's like, you know, it's time to really 
be come true to who we are. And we're now fighting against whether you accept that or not, because we felt like we haven't been accepted in the other form of ourselves, what we were trying to become to make ourselves, quote unquote, digestible to the world. Right, right. And I, I also think, um, you know, you know me, I'm, I don't mean to go to church for a second, but <laughs> at the end of the day, regardless of what people believe at this point, I firmly believe that at the end of the day, you are going to have to answer, give an answer for um, how you treated people. And ultimately, I believe that when we other people and we have a problem with image bearers, or we don't like image bearers because of the way they look or what you think they are or are not, ultimately, what you're really saying is you have a problem with God, because Mm -hmm. he's the person that created us. Mm -hmm. And so I feel sorry for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's really what you boiling down to the end of the day, you've got to give an answer to the creator. And I've I don't, really, I don't want to be in a room and you got to have that conversation. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, shifting the conversation a little bit. I want to shift to, you know, of course, we are still living in a pandemic right now, um, collectively, globally. And, you know, that has shut down and shifted a lot of things and changed the way we work. I'm curious to know, like for you, how in this time are you involving as a um, artist and um, still committing to the work that you do? Well, it has definitely kept me on my toes. I mean, nobody expected for the world to shut down yeah. and for so long and doing an art form, you know, or doing a, a career that has to be done in public <laughs> and typically with lots of people in close proximity. It's been, it's been just um, a lot of a waiting game, um, a trusting game. I, at the very beginning said, okay, uh, what can I do? And so I leaned even harder in to my coaching, which has been so rewarding because working with people one-on-one is great when they have to be quiet. You mm-hmm. know, I, I love speaking on the subjects of stage fright. I have a course on stage fright and I'm working on a course on body image right now. And when I talk to my students and I talk to them about their goals, I think that it's important to take a look at how you are and who you are outside of the art right now um, and how you can be um, just prepping yourself to be, to be the most whole version of yourself when the train does start running again, Mm -hmm. you know? In the meantime, what can we do to feed ourselves? I have been out there on social media, except for the moments where I've had to, you know, take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, a lot of us have unplugged for a day or two, but I've been out there on social media and just um, sharing mindset tidbits, giving permission, not because I'm, you know, I'm anybody's boss, but just reminding people that they have permission to choose themselves. And so um, I've been branching out. I'm going to be back on YouTube very soon. Um, I have a video coming on introversion in the stage um, and how you can allow introversion to be your superpower. That's something I'm very passionate about. And uh, like I mentioned, I'm passionate about body image, um, not only uh, because of weight. I've had a, I've had a very extreme weight loss journey um, where I was, I used to be 70 pounds heavier, but it's not just about how much you weigh. Sometimes it is how your body is shaped, how, some, how much melanin is in that skin. 
Sometimes it's the texture of your hair. It's all your body. And um, just really empowering people to take up space in the room because you're allowed. You know, even if at the end of it, you're an introvert and you just want to kind of disappear into a Snuggie with some sunglasses and like <laughs> melt away, you're allowed to take up space. And so um, it has been my my job and I have been very, very motivated to just spread the love and uh, just encourage people in their mindsets in this time, whether it is just the content that I'm putting out on Instagram um, or the people who are working with me in groups in my courses or one-on-one. I love that. That's really, that's awesome. I love that, you know, even in this time where, you know, shows aren't really, the show must go on, but the show is, yeah. you know, kind of on pause right now. Yeah, we're um, at that, an intermission. <laughs> yeah, exa- yes, perfect. We're at, we're at an intermission, but you're, you're, you're using your gifts and your talents and your passion mm-hmm. um, for people um, and the arts to, to sew back into them. And then also, I just, I'm just thinking like, man, once we come from intermission and everybody's been it hopefully taking this time to fill back up, man, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a wild ride. I think just artistic, artistically everywhere, the things that that are going to come out that are being produced kind of in this quote unquote kind of dark time. I just can't wait to see like what's going to want to come from that. I do want to ask you, what has been your favorite role to to pursue um, in your career? That's so hard. Um, I'll tell you one that made me feel very brave. Um, I mentioned uh, Cabaret, Sally Bowles. Um, and I, like I said, I uh, naturally was a very, very shy kid. And um, when I did the musical Cabaret um, in the movie, if anybody's seen the movie, it's um, the roles played by Liza Minnelli. So it's a very yes. different physical type from mine. Um, and the time period is just before the war. And uh, so playing a musical like that, that kind of gets in your face about Hitler, which I mean, when, when I say Hitler, I usually say it in a hushed tone here. It's really, it, it's really a very sensitive subject here in Germany. But imagine doing this play in Germany, and then imagine doing it, uh, not in the traditional theater space, but in a cabaret. So doing it in a club where you're playing all over the place, you are literally in the faces of people confronting them with this story that can be so very controversial and triggering. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do remember being, there was no real backstage because we, you know, we had the perfect setting. It was a little cabaret (laughs) uh, where people were eating and drinking and I was getting ready to play this show that's usually played by a white woman because that's what typically would make the most sense for, you know, where she is in history. Ooh, but I tell you, I was backstage telling myself who I am, <laughs> and, uh, you know, reminding myself, you know, who's behind me and what I can do and that I am brave and that I am enough. And I, I use, um, I use a lot of visualization um, with my clients and with myself. And the one that really helped me there in cabaret was this idea of um, if, if you, wherever you are, listener, if you kind of roll your shoulders back and kind of point your chest a little bit diagonally and upward, kind of like that Care Bear stare kind of <laughs> stance if you're an 80s, 90s baby. Um, I had the feeling of cracking open my chest, not in like, not in a surgical way, not in a way that was sad, but in a way that was just letting my lights shine. And that kind of care bear stare sort of way where I was not hiding. Okay. Because 
everybody can see me anyway. I was like, <laughs> I might as well be completely here because there's no hiding in this room. And I learned so much. I was terrified sometimes. You know, the journey of that character is so rough. And, you know, I, I remember thinking sometimes, why do I put myself through this? Because <laughs> she, she just sees the entire she runs a gamut of emotions and it's, it's, it's a lot of heartbreak in it. And it's a lot of having to go there. Um, and a lot of having to, um, really, um, really make people uncomfortable to tell Mm -hmm. them something that's real. Mm -hmm. And so I'm super thankful for that opportunity. It's, it's those kinds of things that remind me that I can do anything, you know, you know, a little tiny girl who was afraid to speak and was nervous talking to her relatives at Christmas, you know, over Christmas dinner, can really sit in a German grandpa's lap and talk to him about World War II, you know? <laughs> uh, that, is, uh, that is something that I am super proud to see myself achieve because, um, yeah, I want to live bravely. I want to tell a story. I want to tell it authentically, and I want to live bravely. So, mm. yeah, I would say in this moment, my favorite role is Sally Bowles in, Cal- in Cabaret. Yes. We oh gosh, I was cheese on our face yes. right now. <laughs> I'm like, I want to see, I want to see all of your roles. Yes. <laughs> Come see me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh well. Okay. Before we go into our closing questions, I do have one final question leading into those. What advice could you offer to a fellow Black creative looking to pursue into this journey? of, um, you know, to break it into international Broadway? Um, I would say, um, they say that you're the, the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And I think that is cute. It may or may not be true, but I know it can influence you. And so um, we live in a time where you can surround yourself with people that you actually don't know personally. So um, I, when I was trying to become, you know, the best singer I could be, I listened to the album How Glory Goes by Audra McDonald over and over and over and over. She's to me like technically one of the most flawless, incredible um, vocalists, you know, of our age. And so if there's someone that you want to work with and do um, something similar to, inundate yourself with that kind of content, you know, let that be who you're following. And first of all, let me stop and say, if you're following people that you feel badly every time you see their stuff, unfollow. It's not rude. It's, it's self-care. Um, but like just up the quantity of the people that you are in the presence of that you want to be like. Um, and that's where true inspiration comes from because I can tell you my story um, and it's not meant so that you can um, replicate it because it's not possible. Like the conservatory I went to doesn't exist anymore. You know, the, the way that I came in won't work the exact same way for you, but what it should do is inspire you to be, um, to be unconventional, to be brave, to seek out your open doors and know when you see one that doesn't make any sense, but it makes perfect sense that you need to move. Mm, that was for me. Man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I wasn't looking at you, but I took that too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was amazing. Thank you for that advice. I'm not looking necessarily breaking the international Broadway, but thank you for that advice. That was good. just that's well rounded. That's just good stuff right there. Thank you. 
Um, well, man, this has been an amazing conversation. But before we close officially, we're going to go into our last final closing questions. And one of the things that we always ask our listeners, or excuse me, not our listeners, but our guests, um, is for um, for them to share with us what their power word for 2020 is. And so we would like to know, what is your power word for 2020? Ooh, um, hmm. captivating. Um, I love that word. Um, it's what my name means. And um, it is, you know, thinking of taking something captive can have an air of being strong to overpowering, um, but it also has a beautiful, authentic, and like soldier. It draws you in. It draws you in. And that's who I want to be. I want to captivate whether I'm telling story on stage, whether I'm just speaking truth on, truth on a stage, you know, at a podium, um, whether I'm working with someone one-on-one, I want to captivate hearts because there is truth to be told. There is healing to be had. And I think that you've got to captivate attention to uh, put it out there into the world. Well, I will say that you are your name. You're your name personified 100%. Oh, thank um, you. And you have, you have captivated my heart. And I know you've captivated Yana's heart. And I hope, and I'm for sure you've captivated our listeners' hearts today. This is, gosh, perfect. Captivating. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing. Add that to the list, Terry. Captivating. <laughs> Thank you for listening. It's, um, it's there. Anything that works um, for 2020? Um, I know you are, especially right now, you're you're doing a lot of, you're giving giving back a lot through your coaching. Um, but do you have anything else in the works for the year? Well, the the projects that I have coming up, some of them don't have um, precise dates because of current events. But I will be starring in Memphis the Musical, and that's going to be the first time it's ever been played in Germany and in German. Coming up hopefully very, very soon. Um, I do have some concerts coming up, but uh, where I'm focused right now is course creation. And so I'm very much looking forward to um, just influencing and changing lives in the area of fearlessness and stage fright, body image, um, introversion, and just um, encouraging the creative to be whole, you know, to heal your heart so you can make even better art. Yes. Yes. Love that. Love that. Have, Love have you thought about writing a book? I have. <laughs> I, the silly part of me always has been writing a book. Like if, if I'm, you know, on a mission somewhere and doesn't work out, say I'm, you know, I'm trying to buy some frozen peas and they're out at the store. I usually have my little self narrator going undaunted, Sid soldiered on to the next store. So I've always been writing my book. Um, but I do, I do have, I do have some ideas that I want to put to paper. <laughs> yes, we are here for it. Yes. yes. Um, well, my last and final question for you is how can our listeners connect with you? For me, the easiest way is just to talk to me. I am one of those people who is always on Instagram. You can always find me. So if you have been following and you've never reached out directly, do that. Let's have a conversation. You know, I am at double underscore dot Sidani, S-I-D-O-N-I-E. If you're looking for me, I'm the one with the biggest hair on <laughs> under that name. You know, there's a couple of us, but you'll find me for sure. Um, I also uh, can be found at sidanismith.com. And I'm sure that the spelling will be in the show notes, but um, the best way to reach out is to just reach out. 
Um, I always answer. I usually will pop on with a voice message and we can just get it going. And I'd love to talk to you about where you are at this time, what your goals are, where you'd like to be, and just get to know you. And that's, that's really just the joy of my heart, getting to actually be social on social media, you know, and not just present stuff, but really interact. So I hope to see some of you there. Yes, yes I just right. looked. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say she's right. The, all of this information will be in our show notes. Yes, absolutely. No, I was just going to say, I just love her sweet, warm and inviting spirit. You're just, you're such light. And we, we, we're so thankful that you were interested in having a conversation with us and sharing with us and our listeners. There's so much left in your story to tell, and we can't wait to see how it unfolds and love to continuously check in and follow up with you on your journey. But thank you for being in this space in this moment with us. Absolutely. This was such an honor. I've I've been so excited all day. It's um it's evening time here in Berlin, and so I've had all day to be all all excited <laughs> to figure out about this. So thank you so much. Yes, yes, of course, absolutely. And when the world reopens, just know that that is that you're on, you're on our list. We want to yes. make sure we catch a show. And Yay! yes, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I just want to just say thank you once again. Thank you. You have no idea this, the opportunity to to be able to speak with you today just came at the absolute perfect time for for us, I think for our listeners, for the world. This was so timely and so needed. And we just thank you because you really lifted our spirits today. Um, Oh, I'm so glad. Yes, absolutely. And you are just, I mean, what Yana said, just your warm, inviting spirit, so easy to talk to. And gosh, just the relatability, even though you're you're walking a completely different path, just you just you yourself as as is Sadani being so relatable and open. Um, gosh, I love it. I, I love everything about you right now. So um, thank you so so much, um, Yana. Anything else? <laughs> no, I won't keep. I'll keep this short and brief because you know we can continue. We can talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, I want to thank our listeners too, who always can continuously um, support us as well um, as our um, the amazing women that we um, showcase and you know that so graciously share their stories with us here again our effort and our mission is always to amplify the beautiful voices of black women um, share our lessons and celebrate our successes and you know we it's just been so like like Terry said it's just been so such a weight lift, so refreshing to have this space and have this moment and to share in this way. So we thank you all for always supporting us and of course to our amazing guests that share. So again, if you um, have a story that you want to share and you're interested, you can reach us at info at Melanated Conversations. Always we're here to shine you in a good light as you are the light. But until next time, Melanate on that. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time, keep raising your voice.